to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Tuesday, July 13th, and this is episode 108 of the Pineapple Couch. Uh, we got a great episode for you folks today. We're going to be going through Loki episode 5. The finale is tonight, so um, if you want a little pregame for your Loki finale tonight or you don't watch it uh, as up-to-date as watching it at staying up till midnight like I do, I understand, so we'll have that out for you. Uh, but if you like what you're listening to, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, follow us on Spotify, all that good stuff. Thank you to everyone who listens. So let's get into Loki episode five. And to do that, I will be joined by the one, the only Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to dive into this. We're approaching the finale and then we're going to have a little bit of a drought once again in between shows. So it's enjoying these two because it's going to be cool. Yeah, well, on the topic of that, for the drought, I was thinking, so after Loki, we're going to do one later this week for the finale, and then we'll do a Black Widow review, and then it really opened, we have a, a big of, a bit of a window where we can do a lot of, like, rumors, as well as we can finally get into some of those discussions we've hinted at, like Star-Lord, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and some other various things that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. But so we will not be low on content. Totally. Means. So, Peter, there is a little Emmy news that you wanted to get to before we dive into Loki episode five. So take it away, my friend. All right. So as has been rumored for a long time, um, the quality of these shows is just top tier. And the Emmys kind of came through with their nominations. I will start with the one that you'll be least surprised by, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier scored five nominations. Mostly in the technical aspects, with one guest starring role for Don Cheadle, which is wild. He, I think, he spoke for like I, Don lines, Cheadle maybe? just tweeted out that he was confused too. <laughs> well, so, I, yeah, so we're we're all king. you know, but I mean, if you think about the, that show compared to Wandavision, which scored twenty three nominations, second Jesus. only to The Mandalorian, which had twenty four. That's a, that's quite an accomplishment. And mm-hmm. WandaVision did score nominations in the big four acting category for limited series with Paul Bettany um, and Elizabeth Olsen picking up best acting nominations. Ooh, that's good. So is Loki not on this because of time or like it was like too late or something? Right. Loki will be eligible for next year's, which I highly think it will make a splash. And I think the fact that we're seeing shows like The Mandalorian and WandaVision gain recognition in nominations is showing the fact that these aren't just like niche superhero shows that like aren't are just like cheesy to people anymore. Now it's like people are recognizing that the storytelling in these shows is what made comic books so good and is just a depth. And it has and these performances that are put forth are just such high quality yeah and this is really just the beginning this is just the tip of the iceberg because i think going forward i mean really quickly and we're not going to talk anything about black widow but i wanted to bring this up there's been this whole conversation peter about what is the future of movie theaters are is streaming and these tv shows going to eventually maybe take over and take precedent and a lot of people though had said the movie theaters will continue to thrive though because no one wants to pay the 30 bucks to watch black widow on disney plus black widow made 60 mil on disney plus in its first weekend black widow disney they make like a hundred percent of the profit 
that they get from Disney Plus, whereas they get 50% of it or somewhere around there when they sell the two $15 movie tickets. So as far as Black Widow is concerned, it really showed that there is a way that there might be going forward two options to see movies. You can go to the theater, which is going to maybe make the theater make their experience a little better. And then they're also, you're going to be able to stream it because I think that that is going to be the way the big test though, Peter will be movies like Spider-Man, no way home, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness and Thor love and thunder. What do you think? I think you make some really good points there because if Disney had proven that their model was successful, I mean, they started off kind of tepidly with Mulan and then it continued to build with films like Cruella, which did really well. And now Black Widow on Disney Plus just exceeded expectations. So I think that it is going to impact what happens going forward when you have the experience of seeing it in a theater versus at home. But I also feel like Black Widow and to some extent Shang-Chi and Eternals aren't going to be, while they are going to be successful successes in their own right, they're not necessarily the right benchmarks for it. Because there yep. are movies that are launch- either a prequel or two that are launching things going forward. But as you mentioned, the big test will be, I think, specifically Spider-Man No Way Home. Because that's if all the rumors are holding up to be true for that one, I feel like that's going to blow the box office to yeah, make a even, even pre-pandemic records. I think it'll smash for sure. Yeah, I think Spider-Man No Way Home will make more money than Avengers Endgame. And by the time we're like weeks from it, it will be just as hyped, if not more hyped. I'm not saying it's going to be better. I'm just saying that people freak out about Spider-Man. I'm one of those people. So, like, do you see any validity to that? Oh, 100%. Because I think it speaks to the fact that if you've been listening to this podcast for like however many weeks you've been doing this, you and I are very much nerds and on board for these things. We watch Loki at midnight, mm-hmm. Wanda, all these at midnight. Yet Black Widow didn't have that same agency that needed to be watched right away to understand mm-hmm. what's going forward in the MCU. So unless they really market Shang-Chi and the Eternals to really be, these are integral to go forward in storytelling, yeah. then I think they're also going to, meet similar expectations as Black Widow, which is a movie that should have come out years ago, but that's a whole other conversation. But Spider-Man will have that agency of like, this is required appointment viewing Mm -hmm. that I think could really, in general, just shake up the whole movie-going experience because that is going to set the tone for what's to come in a bigger way than Black Widow did, but similar to the way that these Disney Plus shows are required viewing. Like you can't yeah. not watch, you can't ignore them anymore because they are. And even people who aren't fans of the MCU got into the MCU because of the accessibility of the Disney Plus shows. Oh, yeah. And no spoilers here for Black Widow, but there is a point in Black Widow where there is something that makes no sense if you did not watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for what it's worth. So. So again, the, they're really so they're leaning a glimmer in. of the connections that are going to be because I feel like going forward even more so there's going to be more crossover between the two. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, so now let's go in here into Loki episode five, Peter, um, and we're going to do our usual breakdown today. Maybe go a little f- bit faster through last week's episode 
because we really want to get to some of the bigger questions that are out there about the the end of this series. For for everything that I know, it has almost been basically like confirmed there will be a season two of this. So keep that in mind, I guess, where there could be some sort of cliffhangers at the end of this. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Let's jump into episode five, Peter. We're going to start with Sylvie and Renslayer in the TVA. Renslayer's really like just lying to Sylvie straight up. And Miss Minutes is helping, stalling while they're looking for some spacecraft that can take them through the void. It's pretty obvious that they're lying, but it does seem that Sylvie, she is trusting them in a way, but also isn't stupid. So doesn't fully trust them. Um, and Peter, though, this is all a trap. Sylvie is soon surrounded by other TVA agents. What did you get out of this opening? I don't even know if this was exactly the opening, but this scene. I think it was interesting to see that we're seeing more, so many times I have seen, more Miss Minutes. I thought that was the way she kind of, it's a cool kind of character to add to this whole equation, which was, you know, briefly mentioned episodes ago. But I thought that was kind of nice that she was in with Renslayer and she understood what was happening. But as we'll see later on, maybe they're not necessarily BFF teammates. Yeah, Miss Minutes is a wild card. Which is, which is an interesting addition to the, to this whole situation because as far as wildcard goes in MCU type Disney plus shows, you've only had maybe Sharon and maybe Agatha that were like unpredictable. We don't know what's going on with these characters in a sense. Whereas Renslayer, yeah, Ralph I think Boner. It's, oh yeah. Mm. Sorry. I didn't Moment of silence. Up, but I just, it's tough. But it's yeah, tough. I, I like, um, I like that Sylvie, it is very Loki-esque. It is the characteristics of, you know, I'm going to kind of play along, but I'm still a couple steps ahead of you from the outside looking at what's going on. Yeah, and so Renslayer's got Sylvie surrounded, is telling her to surrender, and Sylvie savagely just prunes herself. And so here's a point I want to make. We as the audience know that when you get pruned... At least if you're a Loki, like we saw with Tom Hiddleston's Loki, you go to this world and you're not dead, really. How does Sylvie know that? I think it was that. I think it was it was such a dramatic, flourish Loki moment that I think it was just like, a, what the hell? Let me just do this. Maybe it pays off okay. and I get somewhere with this temp pad and get to Loki or maybe I just die. But at this point, what have I got to lose? You know, okay, that's a good point. Like, that's a good point. Almost kind that's of could get help in a sense, also, where she just kind of like went out. Yeah, and um, so now we'll go back to our Tom Hiddleston Loki, and he's meeting with the other variant Lokis that we saw at the end of last episode in the post-credit scene. So we got classic Loki, we got kid Loki, we got boastful Loki, and we got Gator Loki. We quickly find out that this place is called the Void. And Eliath is this big smoke monster lion thing. Destroys and eats everything here because the TVA, Peter, they can't, when they prune something, like a timeline or a person, they can't really get rid of all that matter. It's just too much, I guess. So what they do is have Eliath destroy it, which I think is fascinating because Eliath in the comic books, just the use of Eliath, does have a lot of ties to Kang the Conqueror. So more on, we're just talking about Kang, but 
they just keep adding it up more and more little Easter eggs. Alive, commonly associated with Gang the Conqueror. Um, and I really quickly wanted to point this out in this first opening scene, Peter, when we're flying into this void world where it's kind of just wrecked buildings, all this stuff. We see a version of Avengers Tower that has Q-E-N-G on it, which is Kang in the future. He buys it from Tony Stark, and he runs under a different name. He runs this organization or whatever called Kang, Q-E-N-G. What do you think of that? I thought that was a very interesting Easter egg, very interesting in the sense that it's like, are you putting this here because we're never going to go that route? You know what I'm saying? Or is this like here because it's it's supposed to mean something? Because we even saw, um, I think I, I've noticed that a Doctor Strange's Sanctum, we saw that, I think I saw that in one of the backgrounds too, like a version of that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an interesting choice of either, of either saying, yes, here's more Kang references, like we're going to, we're leaning that way, or like we're going to do Kang, but we're going to do our spin on him and not necessarily go that, which is why it's here in this dumping place. Yeah, and there's not much life besides the weird birds and stuff on this dumping place, and Lokis are still around because surviving is what Lokis do. They go to this like underground lair, and we learn a little bit more about each of these Lokis. We find out, like, Loki's like, why is the kid in charge? Well, kid Loki's in charge because his next event is he killed Thor. Casual. Just casually killed Thor. And then we go to classic Loki and we get a little about him. So he's talking about he's the more magic using of the Lokis from what he's talking about. He talks about how he once tricked the mad Titan with an illusion so strong that he escaped and lived alone on a planet for forever. Eventually got lonely, was going to contact his brother Thor. And that's when the next event happened and the TVA showed up. But I I like that. that. Go, go. You, no, you just because early, I think earlier when we started reviewing Loki, we kind of touched on that whole idea. What if Loki switched places and like enchanted himself so he didn't really die? And I think this yeah. was another example of Disney Plus shows being able to kind of clean things up and address certain theories that fans are like, this is going to happen yeah. in a better way than Ralph Boner. God, Ralph Boner was so tough. So I so... thought that was nice. I thought that was a, a really cool way to kind of address that. Yeah, and I think they do an incredible job with classic Loki in this episode. And, I mean, who knows what the future of this show holds, but hopefully that is uh, something we'll see more of, of Loki's using that type of magic, because as we get to later, it's pretty incredible. Um, And now we'll learn about Boastful Loki, who you can get from his name is very boastful. He says he defeated Iron Man and Cap and had all the Infinity Stones. It's pretty clearly lying. Um, and then, uh, like Peter Loki, his Nexus event was eating paper cat. Got a very interesting cast of characters here in this group of Lokis. And Peter, it all is, they seem to all think it's like there's no hope. You know what I'm saying? They've kind of just given up and they're just surviving. There's no part of them that is planning on escaping. Is that what you got? No, totally. And I think it totally showed a pathway of where Loki easily could have fallen into. But I think that our variant Loki is just him seeing that, I think further cemented, like, that's not what I want to do. Like, that's not my, 
my path. And I think it, it goes back to the whole idea of what is your path, which this show really does touch upon, I think, throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And so in response to all this, our Loki has not given up. Like you said, he doesn't want to be like this. And so he starts to leave this bunker. And he's met by tons of other Lokis, including President Loki, who we saw in the trailer. And so back down in the bunker, um, a fight breaks out. You have Gator Loki bites off President Loki's hand, and all sorts of chaos just ensues. It's a madhouse. It's a bunch of dumb Lokis fighting each other. It's got to be kind of horrifying to these other more sane Lokis to just see how in most universes or timelines or whatever they can just never be good they always are just scum or the god of outcasts as he said in this episode but then a classic loki uses magic and he helps kid loki gator loki and our loki tom hiddleston escape on out of there what did you think of that whole event (laughs) it was very guardians of the galaxy-esque the kind of uh, yeah, wild chaoticness. I mean, biting off the alligator, biting the hand of President Loki. I mean, that you don't expect that in an MCU movie, but it just mm-hmm. it worked. And seeing the magic, I think again that classic Loki has, I think really leans into this whole aspect of Phase Four delving more into magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that side of Loki more because in the comic books. It's a lot more of that than just with the knives that we've seen for the most part in the MCU. We haven't seen other stuff, but we'll see. Um, so now back at the TVA, let's go back to Renslayer. And you hinted at this. She's asking Miss Minutes for the info on the founding of the TVA. And she said she needs to figure out who's in charge of all of this because whoever that is is in danger. So she doesn't know who's in charge. But she's so suspicious where it's like, I don't even know if I believe that. I Is Miss Minutes the only one who knows who's in charge? Is Miss Minutes like literally like an accomplice of Kang or this King Loki or whatever's waiting at the end? Because that it just Renslayer confuses me. I'm not like I think she's a good character in the way like I don't like her. But I think she's a lot better than like a Carly Morgenthau. I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm so confused on what she knows, what she doesn't know, what her motivations are, who she is, everything. I think you've well summed it up doesn't really accurately put that because you put a lot out there. But I think that all all of that kind of makes sense because it is true. It's like, does does she know she's a variant? And is that her motivation? Does she not know she's a variant? Does she know who the timekeepers are and doesn't want Miss Minutes to know what's going on? Or does she really not know and Miss Minutes is the only one that knows what's going on? Like, it's like this giant, more interesting side character than the Flag Smashers, than Carly, than Neil. Like you said, it's, it's really well done because we're going into the final episode with so much uncertainty of who this person is. Mm-hmm. And what they even know, because that's the biggest thing. Like, what do they actually know? And why are if there's if they see this, why are they still willing to believe in the timekeepers? Yeah, it's like they either know something before, but and it also is important for the finale because Peter, they're on a collision course, or yeah, Renslayer and our two Lokis, or Loki and Sylvie, they're both headed to this end of time to see who's in charge of the TVA. Loki and Sylvie are going there, hopefully to stop it or to and to learn about it. 
Renslayer, we don't know. Is she going there to learn about it and protect it or just to protect it? And she already knows about it. Who knows? We'll find out. But let's go now to Sylvie post-pruning. She wakes up and is running from Eliath. And Mobius, our guy, picks her up. We see some pyramid sphinx in the background, another Kang reference. Um, and we just get this brief enchantment of Eliath, between, this connection between Sylvie and Eliath. And we get a glimpse of what it is guarding, which we'll find out later in the episode. What did you Real? think about? Yeah, you take it. Go. Um, Elias reminds me. I don't know if it reminds you of Galacticus in yeah. Fantastic Four Silver Surfer. Definitely had that vibe. A more well done version, kind of visual to that mess of Fantastic Four Silver mm-hmm. Surfer. But um, I liked that again. We're seeing these powers that our Loki has never displayed on display in other variants of him. And I and just seeing Mobius show up was like such a, it's just like, you just feel just a smile on your face because you're just like, yes, he's still here. Yeah. And a lot of this is like self-actualization of Loki's and, and specifically our Loki learning that he's stronger than he thinks he is. Like the, they kind of put these shackles on themselves and with their attitudes, never think they can be anything better. But I think this episode in this series go to show that no Loki's can be better and you can be more powerful. So that's cool to explore. Um, and so to sum up this episode, not sum it all up, but just get us to the action. Mobius and Sylvie end up meeting up with our Lokis. Kid Loki is not going to join them in this battle versus Eliath. Hopefully we see him down the line in Young Avengers, you think, potentially, Peter? He might be a little bit younger than the than the young Avengers, especially if we're gonna age up Wanda's kids potentially. Mm-hmm. And you've got um, Kate Bishop also, who's older. Unless I mean, but it could work. It could work. Could work. Could work. And um, but Kid Loki, before he goes, he gives Loki a sword that is uh, like a really good. It's a dagger from the comic books. I don't know a ton about it. Do you? I just know it's yeah. No, I just Loki I recognize it, has. but like yeah. Yeah. And um, classic Loki says goodbye, says this is not really his fight. He's going to stick it out here. Um, And as well as Gator Loki is going as well. Mobius and Loki share a nice tender moment and they hug goodbye. And it's a really big friendship moment. And Mobius is now headed back to the TVA to burn it down. Mobius had a temp pad. Is it the one that Sylvie had? Because Sylvie took one with her when she pruned herself. Yep, you're right. You're right. That's why she pruned herself. Or, or that. Okay, there we go. That's good. That's good. That's, That's good why there's two of us. That's why there's two of us. Um, okay. And so now we have basically Sylvie and Loki versus Eliath. And they are trying to enchant. Basically, the plan is, is Loki is going to distract it to buy time so Sylvie can enchant it. We've already seen Elias take out like a ship full of soldiers, all sorts of stuff. It's a fucking monster. And it starts off not so great when it's just the two Lokis. They're kind of struggling. Loki fashion, yeah. Yeah. And um, it doesn't it's things aren't going to work out straight up until classic Loki shows up and he creates a massive illusion of all of Asgard. Similar to the Emerald City and Wizard of Oz. And it gives our, our Loki time to do the enchantment with Sylvie. So Loki finally, like, unlocks that part of his powers. And he does it alongside Sylvie, which allows them 
to see through a lie, to get by, to see what is it, what is behind it, which is a giant tower slash fortress on a rock in space, presumably the end of time. And presumably, Peter, that is where our big bad for this show is. I know I just said a lot, so walk me through it. How are you feeling? I think it's a great setup point for the finale. I would put it... It's it's a better setup for the finale than um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think. <laughs> I think it's a better setup. I think it it's rivals um, the WandaVision pre post pre finale episode. I feel like it mm-hmm. gets the end. So we got the tease of White Vision in that, which was really cool. So I think it comes. Cl- I think so. I think I would put WandaVision in first still for that, and I would put this secondary. Uh, that see, finale. The, the chance and, of Kang for me is well, just no, that, the pre-episode. Okay, but I mean, okay. the chance of Mephisto, the chance of Doctor Strange. We had a lot of chances we were riding on at the end of. Yeah, it was tough. That's this episode, but I I thought it was me. really good. And one thing that um, I don't think you touched on it briefly was Loki and Sylvie share another moment of like connection. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of like a slow burn where he like create and enchan- creates like a, a blanket for her as well. So it's like. There is They're more frost that's... giants too. They don't get cold. They just want to snuggle. <laughs> that's Straight a good up. point that I forgot. I didn't think about that. They don't get cold, but I mean, so I think it's interesting that it's a slower route for them. It's not like yeah. they haven't professed anything yet, unless it's like in the next episode. But which could be heartbreaking for how this series ends. Let's get mm-hmm. into some questions here for the finale. Let's Peter. go. Obviously, the main question: Who is the big bad in this show? Who is the big bad in that tower? I think it's Kang. Okay, now, if WandaVision never happened, I would think, oh, it's 100% Kang. Like, they've given us all these clues that it is Kang. Mm -hmm. And it's time travel. It's a show dealing with time travel. And the biggest time travel villain in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Kang. Kang has something to do with the TVA. There's all these connections. Renslayer is connected to there are tons of agents they could have chose for the TVA from the comics, and they chose Renslayer, the one who has a connection with Kang. So I'm, I would really, really, really like it to be Kang because I think that's very exciting for the MCU going forward. However, Peter, however, there is that King Loki we haven't seen yet that was in the trailer, like the Disney sneak peek a while ago. Maybe it doesn't even end up making the cut like they fucked with stuff for Infinity War. But a part of me is a little worried because this show is all about Lokis and variants that it just might be another Loki, which I don't, which would be a bummer. And I don't want to be like a rain on the parade thing, but I want Kang. So talk me through your thought process here, Peter. So... Because we don't live in a world where WandaVision hasn't happened, and WandaVision has happened, Tough. and because we're aware that the, that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania is main villain is Kang the Conqueror, my thought is we will see Kang in a post-credits scene, you know, similar to when we first kind of were introduced to Thanos and stuff. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of the vibe we're going to go with because... I think you're right. It's it's a lot to... If he had been introduced... It's like if they had saved Agatha for the finale. 
like if that whole reveal didn't happen until the finale, you and you had to kind of process all of that in one hour. We only have an hour of time here, and I think for them to throw Kang in there, it just logistically it would be a lot for people to kind of. So going off of that, then is it possible that like Kang is the one moving the strings behind the scenes, and this is like see the one thing that I have trouble with. Is that if this is some like old version of King Loki, some gnarly, evil, like super powerful version of Loki, he doesn't strike me as someone who would be a puppet for Kang. Even though Loki has been a puppet, I just, I'm, if it's this like ultimate version of him, I don't know. Well, but so also, that's, it's tough. It's like if we have, this is going to have a season two, which all signs are pointing to that in a way that they didn't for. Like WandaVision, but like they did did for like um, Falcon the Winter Soldier, it would make sense. I think what what keeps me from jumping on board the Kang thing is that he's announced as the villain for Quantum Mania. So it's like, but we have been seeing more appearances of the actor whose name I cannot remember. Uh, he's been out and about doing Jonathan. A something. He went recently bought a Loki comic book, and it was like a big thing in the news because he was yeah. like at a at a shop. Um, the thing with Kang, like I think everything you're saying is 100 percent right, and I want to agree with it. The reason where I could present to you that Kang could be a little different is because there's just all these different versions of Kang, and there's literally a version of Kang called Immortus, where he sits at the end of time and dictates everything, which is what they are at least describing to us is happening in this right you know that's a good point you know that's a good point you know what you know i I think you're right though i'm just i will though (sighs) i will get on board this train with you i will be on the kang is the big bad train and if we crash and burn we'll both crash and burn but you're right everything that's what you need in in a a podcast co-host ladies and gentlemen that type of loyalty right there i yep i will do that because (laughs) You know, the, everything's been more apparent than it was in WandaVision. The Mephisto things were not as glaring as these have been for oh, yeah. Kang. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I, I'm right there with you. All right, let's do it. Um, okay, I have a couple more things I want to throw at you with the uh, Big Bad. So, is there any chance that classic Loki is the old man Loki at the end of it and was just kind of luring them there? And he didn't really die at the end because he said he tricked the Mad Titan with an illusion before. He could have tricked us there. So I guess my question to you, Peter, is there a chance that is this classic Loki might be the big bad or even Sylvie or our own Loki could be the one kind of stringing this all along? Like Sylvie's I, a messenger of old Loki or something and she's leading them here? Like, I don't know. There, I mean, is there going to be betrayal? I feel like if yeah, if Sylvie betrays Loki, that would just it would break the audience's heart. It would break his heart. It would just put, I think it's I gonna think happen. It, it would just create more conflict for him, and then his redemption arc would be bigger because the heartbreak would be like, well, shit, I'm not gonna try to save anybody anymore. But then like he's like sees the life that he does have to save stuff. So that would be just mm-hmm. really cr- quite the arc for him. Yeah, I, I could totally see that happening. Um... Yeah, Especially the scene in this episode where it was like she was less. She's less, less into it than he is. Yeah, which she's makes a little less sense. into it. 
or even that she's less into it because she knows she's going to betray him. And so she feels mm-hmm. by starting to feel like I'm going to betray him. I can't really have these feelings for you. And I feel bad that I'm going to betray you because I have these feelings for you. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Let me throw this at you. Theoretically, could that castle be not really a castle for Kang or this ultimate version of Loki? This applies more to Loki or to Kang, I would say. Is it possible that uh, it's a prison that the TVA and the timekeepers or whatever have locked this person in, Kang, for messing up timelines? And it was guarded by Elioth, not necessarily to, uh, I guess, to keep people out, but also to keep Kang in. And then they screw it up and let him out. Yeah, that'd be a Loki thing to do. That would be. That's a, that's another strong point. That's another. Yeah, that would be quite the. The issue with that, yeah. I think that just another thing, I'm just going to keep bringing up Kang, but something of like why I like Kang being involved in this is it kind of mirrors phase one ish of the MCU of where Loki was our first glimpse into Thanos. And Loki would be our first interaction with Kang. So the villain that we know the best and the one that we've been with the most and we start to kind of trust, even we trusted him back then because we just liked watching him, he's the introduction kind of of the next big bad similarly to how he was to Thanos. I think that would be really cool, an effective way of using him. I like that. I think that's... That, that again, creates more of that co- moral conflict within him as well. Like, I think it's... I think, I think it's a way to bring him hang about too where it's not like he's the whole focus of the whole episode in a sense either. It's like an organic way and it, uh, it leaves a room for whatever's to come in mm-hmm. Quantumania. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I, we, we briefly mentioned this earlier, Peter, but what's the deal with Miss Menace, do we think? What, what are you... I guess I am at such a loss with her. I just don't trust her. That's all I know. Do you have any theories on who Miss Menace could be? It's so I mean, tough. Plot, plot twist, she's the big bad. I mean, there's An just... Alt- <laughs> what if she's a variant of Ultron? That would be... <laughs> that would be... I don't know. That would be, I mean, she just has such a weird personality and sense of humor. And, like, she's the one that first tells us the whole way that time works and that time lines work and the sacred timeline and everything. So, I mean... It is would be very Wizard of Oz to have this front of this Miss Minutes as this little character when there's like a like a person behind it. Yeah, that that that's the thing I'm the least confident of anything is what's uh, going on with Miss Minutes. So other thing, I guess slight spoiler warning here, but it was tweeted out, so I'm gonna bring it up, folks. Peter Marvel Studios Canada tweeted out an image of all the Loki variants and basically said, like, which one of the Lokis are you looking forward to next seeing? They included a photo of Hunter B-15. And then they deleted it. And then they, I, I did see the clarification that they said they made a mistake. Are we sure? I mean, at least quite of a big mistake, if that's a mistake that you make. Um, that would be interesting to see as if that would be. But then why wouldn't anybody else know? Yeah. Why wouldn't Sylvie know? Why wouldn't Loki know? Why wouldn't, I mean. I, I, I heard a theory. I don't remember where I heard it. So sorry to whoever put it out there. Not really. I'm not that sorry. Everyone has theories. 
Um, but basically, that the history of the TVA, all they do is hunt down Lokis. And, and so, basically, like, once B-15, B-15 was captured and did what basically our Tom Hiddleston is doing, like, going to help catch a Loki, and then when it's, like, time and they're like, oh, yeah, you'll be rewarded once you do this, they just get their mind wiped and are just in the TVA. I don't know. That... It's uh, a little overwhelming. I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, we <laughs> have already gone through, we think Renslayer doesn't really... We don't know with Renslayer. It's just such a mind fuck. I, I, if I don't think what she knows she everything know? about the TVA, but I think she knows a little bit and is bad. So that's my <laughs> thoughts on her. That's a good way to put it. Knows a little bit and is bad. Yeah. Are you on the same page? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she's good at all. I do not think she's a redeeming character. I think she is a villain, and I would like a villain just to be a villain. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that would. Amen. That's, that's, I mean, we don't really get a lot of those unless they're like human military people that are like, you're a villain. But like, because mm-hmm. even a John Walk, John Walker, John Walker, John Walker is like, you're a villain, yeah. but now you're going to gray area, put you in whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, exactly. So what do you think Mobius is going to do back in the TVA? How's it going to go for our boy Mobius here? We think there's going to be a confrontation between. I would Renslayer. love a confrontation between him and Renslayer that kind of like reveal something i, I want that i feel like be. it's it's been building to that that i would be surprised if we don't get some sort of interaction between the two of them don't you think i think it's necessary because she thought she pruned him and that's betrayal in a sense right there that's a huge betrayal but does she know what happens when you're pruned that's a good so that she was so that she's gonna be surprised to see his like could she return. say to him, like if he's like, You kill almost killed me, she's like, Oh no, I knew you would come back. So could that she would, try that? That would be I mean, pretty fun. That'll up tell too. us a lot. If that's yeah. the case. That'll tell us about her what she knows. It's just it's like I wanna see him I, he's hinted that he might appear in future projects, so I don't think he's gonna die at the end of this. I think he's mm-hmm. gonna have a I would love to see him on a jet ski, just yeah, doesn't even fit anywhere, but just a jet ski, you know, kind of like the Mary Poppins moment in Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll just have that. Yeah. Um. And we talked about, I think, I don't think Sylvie will die. Pretty sure about that. I don't think Mobius will die. Unless we, it's revealed that there's other variants of Mobius that look the same, and so he'll just come back in that way. I would be surprised if Tom Hiddleston Loki died. I would. Because Loki's a character you can just keep around for forever because he's a god and Hiddleston likes it. But I could see Sylvie betraying him and him dying. But again, with all the variants, Tom Hiddleston would be back eventually. That's the, Of those three, I think that's the most likely to die. Would you agree? Well, I just remembered something that I remember I had seen it over the weekend. But it was such a busy weekend. There mm-hmm. was a translation of a Japanese tweet from Marvel Japan. Oh boy. That translates the promo, whatever, the like the description as a magnificent betrayal in the finale. So I'm glad I just remember that too because I was like, I was seeing there was something that I saw this weekend and then it got lost in a shuffle of things that just came back to me when you were saying that, you know, does she kill him, whatever. So yeah, there's gonna oh, theoretically there's a magnificent uh... betrayal. 
This is just going to be heartbreaking tonight. For the folks watching on YouTube, you just saw me just like I saw a ghost just staring. <laughs> he did. You did. Dead. I saw that. Just like, no, a magnificent betrayal. I mean, that makes sense for Loki. It makes sense. Why do we why do I like Loki so damn much? God dang it. Why do I do this self stuff to myself? I like Loki so much. And it's like, of course, they're going to. OK. I think I'm on the same page with you that the post-credit scene will tease Kang. I truly believe that, that Kang will be teased. I also think that it is possible that a future of the TVA is teased with Mobius or something for season two. Is there any other projects you think could be linked to this in a post-credit tease? What if No Way Home is teased in the post-credit scene? If you give me Toby and Andrew... I don't know if it's them. If they give that to me at like one o'clock in the morning tonight, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm at my parents' house. I'll wake everyone up. I'll just start screaming. I think there's going to be some screaming regardless of what that, but I do think if it's just, or or if we see the goblin, if we see something like. What if he's Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man swings through a portal at the end and says it's pizza time. Holy shit. It's pizza time. It's honestly the possibilities because we have not gotten a trailer for No Way Home. So there's a reason we haven't gotten one. You got to think they're waiting on a... Something. Yeah. Oh, what other thing? Yeah. Uh, We're going to do What If. Oh, yeah. I I didn't. I never doubted What If looks really good. Like, there's some shows I don't think we'll cover as much of. But What If, I think, will... It's going to be a really fun... uh, And What Ifs are always just good stories. So we'll talk about that. And we've kind of brushed over this, and I just want to reiterate it. Would no Kang be a letdown like no Mephisto, Doctor Strange, and WandaVision? I think it's a little different. Because I think you mentioned this earlier, Peter. There's been so many direct references to Kang. Whereas in WandaVision, it was like if they said anything to do with the devil. It's like, oh my god, Mephisto. The fly. Yeah. So, are we? Y- y- are you there? You think that? Doctor yes. Strange should have been in it. That was just stupid. And Kevin Feige needs to stop. He's on a little bit of a cold streak. Good God. Like they, Ralph Bowner should never have. Should not have been. A, unless he really. Unless he's a variant. Unless he's. I still hold out that there's going to be redemption for that. I think there'll be redemption for that. I'm holding out for that. Better. But I. But I think that you don't. Um, you this I don't think it will be the level of letdown because you have had that free that that cushioning of WandaVision kind of you had massive expectations that are kind of like okay let's just kind of reel them mm-hmm. in a little bit where here it's like I will be so stoked if we get that reveal but if we stick the landing I'll be okay like if yeah, we there's have, yeah similar they, to how Falcon they, and the Winter Soldier I wasn't the finale was far from perfect but I got you got that the Flag Smashers were eliminated, and I got that Sharon yeah. was a power broker. So there were things we took away from it that were like, okay. Yeah, I think you, I think that's a great way to put it. I want to point out a couple other Easter eggs before we wrap up that we saw in the void. We saw the Thanos copter, which, if you can believe it, there is a comic story around where Thanos rides a in a helicopter. Too. like the Lego it's for the pretty Thanos freaking copter. awesome. Um, but we, I think we see the head of the Living Tribunal, which is pretty fucking crazy because he's like one of the most powerful dudes in the universe so maybe in some variant timeline who knows we do see a giant yellow jacket helmet 
the villain from Darren Cross or something is his name, right? Wasn't that his name in Ant Man so. One? Um, and he, I've heard, is rumored to come back in Quantum Mania. So a little tease there. Another tie between these two projects. We saw Throg, the Thor, the frog version of Thor. We saw that in a trapped in a little jar in the Loki compound. And then, like I mentioned earlier, we also saw the Kang energy building on the former Avengers Tower. Any other Easter eggs or things you want to throw out before we wrap it up here, Peter? I think you've got all the Easter eggs. Um, I think that we're in for a wild finale. I, I, I want it to surpass WandaVision's finale, and I feel like it has the potential to do so for me. Because I think it's in a, a good spot to do it. Because I know for sure it'll it'll surpass the one for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which it was good. It just it it there was just it, the landings weren't landings that were superhero landings. They were just landings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but played. I'm well excited. Played. I'm I want I'm, I'm excited for a betrayal. I'm excited to. I want it to be as good as episode four. Better than yeah. episode four. I think four I think... is my top episode. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think the stuff we uh, have seen in promos, just of how creepy this tower and the stuff looks, this is going to be spectacular. This is um, this peak MCU. I'm saying it. This Loki show is right up there with the best. So let's enjoy it, folks. Episode 6 coming tonight at midnight. Me and Peter will be back later this week, before the weekend, we promise, to break down the finale and this will all be up on YouTube. And then while you have the chance, folks, try and see Black Widow. Um, and we will be doing a review of that probably next Monday or Tuesday before. Um, you know what's going to happen is we're going to do we're going to have all this content, right? We'll have all these shows planned and then we'll think we have a little break. And then the day after that, a Spider-Man trailer will drop and we'll have to do 10 podcasts about it. So. Oh, that's 1,000% the case. I mean, the Funko Pops in themselves have already dropped for pre-order for Spider-Man. And so, I mean, they were, uh, they're, they're teasing things. And it's yeah. just, we're it's, due for another big Spider-Man speculation pod, folks. So don't worry. Uh, Peter, though, it's been a pleasure covering the show with you. Looking forward to the finale and our thoughts after it. Always a pleasure excited. to Hasta luego. What do, what do I always say at the end? Oh, I say, God bless. God bless. This has been the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, episode 108. Bye.